0: evening. It's good to have you back here with us at Grace Baptist Church, and I hope you are doing well as you're watching this video tonight. And I just want, as we say each and every week, but it always bears repeating, uh, but we are praying for all of you and, and praying for our country in these times of uncertainty. And in fact, that'll be a very important part of our discussion tonight of how we handle uncertainty. And so I'm so glad that you have joined us in for this session. If you are finding us for the very first time, welcome and thank you for tuning in. And I hope that you will find tonight's session to be helpful. If you are visiting for the first time, down below there should be in the comment section a place for you to give us some information about uh, your uh, about who you are, and maybe we could follow up with you and get to know you a little bit better. If you want more information about our ministry, pre- please please visit gracenc.org. Again, that website is gracenc.org. You can visit our website, tell you more about our church and our ministry, and also if you would like to contact us through our website, there's a contact button there, and you are uh, certainly invited to to email us, and we can get back to you as quickly as, as we can. I also want to begin, as I do each week, just thanking you for your continued financial support to the ministry. I know these are very difficult times in so many ways, and yet the Lord continues to provide for our financial needs. And if you would like to be a partner with us and give toward our ministry, once again, you can go to that website, gracenc.org, and you can click the Give button, and it'll walk you through how you can make a donation to our ministry. And as always, uh, every little bit helps, and we just appreciate everybody's financial support. Uh, to us for our work of the ministry here at Grace. Tonight we're going to begin our next couplet. We have been studying uh, through different attitudes, and we have been get- beginning each set of two with a negative attitude, going back into the New Testament principle of putting off sinful things, things that we should not be practicing, and then replacing them with something that would please God. And so tonight we're going to begin. Our next negative attitude, this is an attitude that we should be working in our Christian life to put off, to put away from ourselves an attitude that we would not want to practice in our life. And so tonight, if you have a Bible, you can find a very familiar story, maybe for many of you. It's all the way back in the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers, and you can find chapter 13 And we will look at and study and just read through a couple verses from chapter 13, and we will go into also chapter 14, just the first few verses, we'll read a few of those as well. If you grew up in Sunday school and you've been around church for any length of time and you are turning to Numbers 13, you are probably reading the headline that is over the section of Scripture, and you are likely being reminded of the fact that this is the account of when the people of God sent 12 spies into the promised land in order to get an assessment of what was taking place in the land. Just a very brief synopsis of what is going on. If you are not familiar with this text, or maybe you're not familiar with the Bible, and maybe you're familiar with the New Testament, but you're not super familiar with the Old Testament, The book of Numbers here is talking about a period of time in which God's people, which is that it became later the nation of Israel. They are the people of Israel, the descendants of Israel. And they had spent generations in in Egypt. They had been slaves there for a number of years. And God now is bringing this chosen people out of the land of Egypt. He has been bringing them through the wilderness. And don't think big trees and, and that kind of wilderness, but this desolate land, more of a deserty kind of place. And God is bringing them through this land, this desolate land, and He's going to bring them into Canaan, the promised land, okay, the, what we know today as the land of Israel. okay? So we are picking this up as the people have been wandering through the wilderness and now they are going to go into the promised land. And we're going to see what happens and what takes place as they are, as they are trying to enter into this land. Uh, if you're familiar with the story, or maybe if you're not, let me just tell you up front that what we are going to see in these verses is a heavy dose of doubt. Okay, The people of God are going to doubt what God has told them, and in fact, what God had promised them. We probably are all very familiar with doubt right now because doubt is rooted in uncertainty. When we don't know something with confidence and we are not sure that a particular action is going to become a reality or a particular promise that maybe a person has made to us is going to become reality, we often doubt people. If you're like me, you probably have known individuals throughout the course of your life That have been known as dishonest people and they tell you something and in the back of your mind there is always this doubt you question whether or not they are going to follow through with what they have promised now because we are imperfect people and people imperfect people make us promises we, we know that sometimes people fail us the problem with the people of Israel as we look at the doubt that settles into their minds is the fact that they are doubting God. Okay, Doubting God is, is something that is, in a sense, an assault to his character or an insult to his character because God is truth and God always tells what is true and what is accurate. And so, when we think about doubt, it really is, at its root, an attitude of distrust. And we sometimes distrust people for maybe obvious reasons, because they fail us, they don't follow through, but for the believer in Christ who believes in God, we have to, in fact, not doubt God's promises. For the Christian, doubt really is an absence of faith, which we will look at in the next section. This is putting off doubt, and we want to put on faith, and we'll talk about faith in the next session but doubt is lacking confidence and trusting God to do what he promised. It is a lack of confidence in God's character. It is a lack of promise and a lack of confidence rather that God is going to do what he promised to do in his word. Let me give you a very quick illustration before we jump into this Old Testament text for a few minutes tonight. One of the common problems that I find as a, as a pastor is that some people doubt their salvation, and doubting your salvation is one of those areas that, as we think through this issue of doubt, that God has promised that whoever believes on the name of Christ will be saved. In other words, anyone who puts faith in in Jesus Christ, and they accept the fact that they are a sinner, they accept the fact that they need a savior. They need redemption. They need God to do a miraculous work in their heart. And they believe in Christ and they trust him for salvation that so many people often still doubt their salvation and they question their redemption. The problem is, and and by the way, I never want to talk someone into their salvation if they don't have it. But at the same time, as John tells us, God's intention is that we know that we have eternal life. And sometimes our doubt in God and doubt in our salvation really is an insult to God's character because if he has promised to save anyone who repents of their sin, then we have to rest confidently that God will do as he said, that God will save every repentant sinner. So that is maybe a common Application of this idea of doubt that so often people demonstrate in their Christian life. And God does not want us to doubt Him. And particularly, He doesn't want us to doubt Him in regard to our salvation. In the text of Numbers 13, we are going to see another very real application of doubt. Notice what happens. I'm just going to read a few verses here in chapter 13. Again, we won't read the whole chapter. It says in verse one, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. Okay. Notice this. This is a commandment by God. Send out spies into the land, 12 of them. And God tells them that they are to pick one person from each tribe. Okay. A person of character. And so, in the next few verses, we have a list, a very long list of the men that God was going to uh, send, Moses rather, under God's commandment, was going to send into the land to spy out the land. Let me just note one particular person, if I may. In verse 16, it says, these were the names of the men who Moses sent to spy out the land, and Moses called Joshua the son of Nun Joshua. One of these men, actually a couple of these men, are going to really stand out, and Joshua is one of them. Joshua is actually going to become the successor to Moses at a later time, and so it's very significant that Moses changes Joshua's name, okay, from Joshua to Joshua, and he changes this name, uh, talking about and showing us that Uh, This was a very unique relationship, and even if you read back through the history of Joshua and Moses, we know that they already had a particularly close um, relationship, and so we see here Moses changing the name of Joshua. Notice what happens, verse 17, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and he said to them, go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is, and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell are in camps and stronghold, or in strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. Be of good courage, and bring some of the fruit of the land, Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes, okay? So Moses gives them instruction, verse 21, so they went up and spied out the land, and he gives us all the land that they went through. We won't read through all of that, but just to say they did a very thorough investigation of the land, Let your eyes jump down to verse 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and all the congregation and showed them fruit from the land, physical evidence, okay? Okay of this wonderful land. And they told them, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. And they show them these grapes that they've cut down and they brought back to demonstrate how wonderful the land is. And you can almost sense in these verses, isn't God good? Look at what God has done. He's brought us to this land, and we are going to inherit this land, and we are going to experience the blessings of God and the food, and it flows, they said, with milk and honey. What a wonderful place. And then there is this word at the beginning of verse 28, however, or you might insert the word, well, but the people. The people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Enoch there. And I won't read through the next few verses, but let's just say that these uh, these spies, 10 of them at least, said, Yeah, it's great, but we have some very real obstacles. The people there are strong. They live in fortified cities. There are groups there that we can never defeat. In verse 30, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and he said, let us go up at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it. And then verse 31, then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel, a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and the people that we saw in it are great in height. And he goes on and describes the people of the land, and they basically are telling the people, this is hopeless. We cannot go into the land, even though God has promised to give this land to us? Well, these 10 spies, they took special notice of a few things, the size of the buildings, the stature of the people. Uh, We know that, again, this cluster of grapes that they bring back was a mark of the land and how plenteous the land was and how fruitful the land was. But despite the wonders of the land and the blessings of the land, all they can see is the obstacles. All they see is the problems. So, let's notice this report a little bit from the spies. It's a mixed report. Ten are bad. Notice the first portion of this report of the spies is truthful. It's accurate. You're right. There are mighty people in the land. You're right. They do live in fortified cities. You're right. There are challenges there. There are problems. There are difficulties. So it's not that what these spies are talking about is fiction. It's not a figment of their imagination. They were simply looking at the circumstances and saying to themselves, we can't do this. There's enemies there. There's obstacles there. There's problems there. There's circumstances that are bigger than us. We can't do this. Notice though, the land was bountiful. It was plentiful. But what happens is over the time that the 10 spies bring back this report is that doubt begins to creep into the minds of God's people. No longer was the abundance of food and the clusters of grapes that served as an indication of the plenteous blessings of God. They were no longer good enough when it was weighed against the obstacles that were found in the land. And so we find that in verse 30, as we read, that the majority of the spies cause great fear in the hearts of the people. They stir them up. They are questioning what is God doing, and that is why verse 30, but Caleb quieted the spirit before the Lord. He quiets them. And he says to them, let us go up. Let's not look at the challenges and the difficulties and the problems. If God has promised us the land, we ought to go take it. This is what God has called us to do. Only Caleb and Joshua, out of the 12, only two offer a report that is rooted in reality, but it is bathed in confidence in what God had promised. So what's the problem here? Well, first of all, the 10 spies did not see the circumstances in the land through the promises of God. They didn't look at this land and rest in the promises that God had made to them. I have given you this land. And by giving you this land, it doesn't mean that there may not be challenges and things that you're going to need to do to possess the land, but you need to trust me and rest in what I have told you to be true. So the people really had two choices. One, they could trust God and enter the land and recognize his promises and power and rest and trust in him and do exactly what God had asked them to do. Or number two, they could give in to the fear of man and they could put man above God, and they would then not follow what God had asked them to do. What I find interesting, by the way, if you go all the way back to the opening verses of this chapter, is that when God tells Moses, hey, I want you to send out spies into the land, they obey that immediately. Because in my imagination, I kind of sense this excitement. Wow, we're here. We're going to go into the land, and God is Told us to send these send these spies into the land and we're gonna go and what we're gonna find is a nice easy path. This is gonna be a piece of cake. We'll be in the land, you know, by noon tomorrow. This is gonna be no problem. But God is smarter than that, and God says, Look, I have told you to send people into the land, which you did. The spies come back, you get a report, and now the people are confronted with a choice. You're either going to trust God and do what I have commanded you to do and asked you to do, or you're not, or you're going to cave under the pressures of doubt, and you're going to give in to fear. Now, in chapter 14, let me just read a few verses from this chapter and see kind of how this whole event plays out. Then all the congregation raised a loud voice and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses. Wow, we've heard that before. And against Aaron, the whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt or that we would have died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall on the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? I always like that statement. They fail to add where we were slaves and mistreated horribly. They forget that part. And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Oh, Moses, another sting against Moses. Moses, you're no leader. We're going to pick somebody else and we're going back. We're going back to Egypt. We're not going to trust God. We're not going to have confidence in what God has said. We're going to turn around and go back. The place from which God miraculously delivered them from their slavery and from their oppression. Verse 5 Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation and the people of Israel, and Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb, who were among these people. They tore their clothes. And said to the congregation of the people, the land which we pass through to spy it out is, ex- is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Honey, listen to verse 9. Do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land. See, they fear God more than they fear people. For they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Don't give in to doubt. Don't give in to fear. Trust God, what God has promised. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. (laughs) Let's kill these guys. We don't even, we don't want to hear your nonsense. We don't want to hear your nonsense about trusting God and obeying God. We don't want to hear that. We're just going to kill you guys, choose a new leader, and we're going back to Egypt. Why? Because they doubted God. They doubted God's promises, and by their doubt, they gave into the fear of man. If you've never read the book, When People Are Big and God is Small, it is an excellent book written a long time ago now uh, that talks about our tendencies to fear man over God. Despite Caleb's reminder And Joshua's reminder that God would deliver them, that God would give them the land because he promised it to them, they still wouldn't listen. The reality is there was no walls, no fortification, no people, and certainly no other God that could stand against God's people if God was with them. And we will see that played out later in the book of Joshua when they finally do enter into the land. So what does this mean for us? It's easy to read this account, and and so often we read that, and you say, well, I would have been in Joshua and Caleb's camp. I would have said, yeah, let's go. Really? Would you? How about where you are in your circumstances today? Has God given you a promise from his word, and yet when you look at the circumstances of your life, maybe you're losing confidence in God, and you're questioning his goodness? You're questioning his provision. You're questioning his wisdom. I always like to think about this. What would you do today if you were not afraid? What would you do today if you did not fear man? In closing, let me just give you some suggestions and how we deal with doubt and how we deal with this kind of fear of man that leads us to doubt and causes us to lose confidence in God? Well, let's remember number one, that God regularly tests the faith of his children. This was a, a in a sense, a test for God's people to trust in God and to trust in his promises. They, they needed, and we'll study this in the next session, but they needed to face reality. Yes, there's challenges there. It's, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be a cakewalk. You're not going to walk in and the people occupying the land aren't going to say, hey, here's the front door to the house. Come on in. Just take it. Oh, it's yours to take. No, but they needed to trust God and God tests the faith of his people. So we have to remember that we're dealing with doubt. Don't see the trials of life and the tests of life as anything that is out of the norm. Secondly, remember the circumstances of life, will either increase or decrease your faith. And with that being said, I would ask you this question. How big is your God? Is God bigger than people? Is God bigger than your circumstances? Is God bigger than the problems and challenges that you're facing? Was God bigger than the people living in the land? Was he more powerful than them? Absolutely. And yet the people of Israel chose to doubt. Why? Well, number three, doubt focuses on obstacles. We always see the problems, the why nots, but faith focuses on opportunity. There's always going to be opposition. It's easy to focus on the obstacles, but we need to practice faith. Number four, and I love this one. Think about this one. Doubting is easy when we are surrounded by doubters. I I don't know about you. I, I can't control people's feelings and thoughts, I can't do that, don't try to do that, but I can control how much time I spend around people that are prone to doubting, I I just choose not to, because when we are surrounded by doubters, 10 spies, doubting God, man that was contagious, before long the whole camp is doubting God, except Joshua and Caleb, It's another message for another time, but standing against the wave of popularity, even even when you may be standing alone. And then number five, I would leave you with this. It's a short distance between doubt and despair. We see this in this text. As soon as doubt started to creep in, man, it wasn't long. They wanted a new leader go back to Egypt. It got so bad, they were ready to stone Joshua, stone Caleb, just put them to death. We don't want to hear it. We don't even want to hear your faith. I wonder tonight as we end, are you filled with doubt? Do you doubt God's promises? Do you doubt God's goodness? Do you doubt God's provision? Do you doubt God's strength? Do you doubt God's love? When we come back to our next session, we'll talk about the role of faith. That faith helps us put away doubt and not be controlled by doubt, and not allow it to rob us of our joy and our confidence in God. Thank you for joining us, and please jump into the next session next week, and we will be discussing faith that helps us put away doubt so that we are not controlled by the fear of man and doubting in God's promises, and so please join us for that session next week. Again, thank you for joining us, and uh, we look forward to seeing you once again. Please contact us, gracenc.org. If you have any questions about our ministry, we would love to hear from you, and uh, let's end tonight's session with a brief word of prayer. Father, thank you for your goodness and uh, the fact that we can rest and trust in your promises. Empower us to do that, to have confidence in you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a good night.